On this week's Big Tech Show, you might not think it could happen to you, but our guest this week explains how a significant number of Irish people may be falling victim to romance frauds online. Victims can feel a misplaced sense of shame. People can blame themselves. They feel embarrassed. And so they don't want to tell family, friends. They don't want to report it to the police. In some cases, of course, the victims are already in relationships. They're married. They have an extra reason to keep that quiet. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Platforms. Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the Indo Daily, you can follow us on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Dunn Stores cut the cost of Christmas shopping with new lower, lower prices at all Dunn Stores. Dunn Stores for Christmas shopping. Today on the Indo Daily, the downfall of Ben Dunn. 30 years ago, Ben Dunn, the head of the Dunn Stores supermarket chain, went on holiday to Florida. A hedonistic trip which ended in a cocaine binge with a prostitute that sparked a chain of events which dominated Irish public life for years destroying reputations and uncovering millions. Ben Dunn obviously was a man of very large appetites and he had sent out for a large amount of cocaine and he had ingested a lot of it. He had also sent out for a prostitute from escorts in a flash and Ben Dunn was arrested. Take a bucket and fill it with water. Put your hand in it up to your wrist Pull it out, and the hole that's remaining is a measure of how you'll be missed. You, may, you can splash all you wish when you enter. You may stir up the water galore, but stop, and you'll find that in no time it looks quite the same as before. The moral of this quaint example is to do the best that you can. Be proud of yourself, but remember, there's no indispensable man. I'm Fiannon Sheen, and today I'm speaking with Sunday Independent journalist Liam Collins about the rise and fall and rise again of a tycoon. Liam, Ben Dunn, a familiar name still to many in the Irish public, but tell us about the background to Dunn's stores, the Dunn's dynasty, uh, and who Ben Dunn was within the family. Um, Well, Ben was the youngest of the Dunn family, and I suppose it was surprising that he rose to the the top in the family business. His father, Ben Dunn Sr., was a shop boy originally from Ross Trevor, who um, ended up as a buyer for Roach's stores in Cork. He then opened um, uh, Dunn stores in Patrick Street in Cork and it was such a success that he moved to Dublin and um, bought what is now the Cornell's Court shop, which became the flagship store um, in the Dunn's empire. And he actually, himself and his wife, Nora, moved to Dublin. They lived in uh, Juries and College Green. They left the rest of the family behind in Cork for a number of years. 
And gradually, um, the Duns moved up. There, there was Frank, Margaret, Teresa, and Elizabeth. Ben Sr. was a peculiar genius. He, um, as I say, he lived in, in uh, Jury's in College Green and later in the Shelburne Hotel. And himself and his wife, Nora, had, um, had a, a bottle of champagne every evening, as you do. And when they were ever repro- approached by reporters, he simply answered, Dunstore's better value beats them all. He never gave any further information or interviews. So what evolved into probably Ireland's biggest uh, retail empire was also a very secretive uh, organisation. When Ben Don died in 1983, it was then that Ben Jr. came into his own and he uh, took over control of the family business, ran it along the lines of his father, which was to, as they said in the business, uh, pack them high and sell them cheap. They spread very quickly across the country to all the major towns. Uh, They've made forays into England and Spain. Because of that wealth, though the the family were were targets and, and Ben Jr. was kidnapped in the early 1980s by the provisional IRA. In 1981, Ben Dunn Jr., the supermarket chain owner, was taken on the border by a heavily armed provisional IRA gang. A priest intervened as a mediator and Mr. Dunn was eventually released unharmed. It's not known if a ransom was ever paid in that particular case. It must have been a horrific ordeal because the IRA were such a dangerous gang and as we know, uh, subsequently... um, when the dentist John O'Grady was was kidnapped, he had his fingers brutally sheared off with a secateur's. So he Ben didn't uh, didn't know for days where he was or what he was what his captors intended. There was efforts made by his family and others to pay a ransom, but the government of the time were implacably opposed. And they followed certain executives in Dunn's. Uh, they had detectives follow them to prevent a ransom being paid. Now, it subsequently emerged much later that um, the developer, Patrick Kavanagh, may have paid a million pounds to the IRA. They certainly uh, got something out of it because they then went on to target um, Galen Weston, who was behind the Primark or Penny's brand. And as we know, they they kidnapped Don Tidy. So it, it, it must have been a very traumatic time. He was just found wandering down a country road and he didn't speak at that time about his ordeal. And it's doubtful if, you know, he ever underwent any kind of counselling or whatever. He was probably debriefed by the guards, but he basically emerged and uh, and and sunk back into the omerta that that surrounded the, the silence that surrounded the Dunn stores and their their lives. Did you think of your father while you were being held? Oh, <laughs> I thought of myself. <laughs> Furthest thought in my mind was anybody else but myself um, and just hope to God that I could get out of this situation. So throughout the 1980s, Ben Dunn becomes chairman and, and chief executive of this this growing supermarket uh, empire. It, it all comes 
crashing down though quite dramatically uh, in 1992. What happened? Yeah, he he went on a golfing trip to Florida with about a party of 12 or 14 pals. Some of them were kind of well-known figures. Uh, some of them were in uh, worked with Dunn Stores and worked closely with Ben. One of them was his accountant, Noel Fox. They stayed in the Grand Hyatt in Orlando in Florida and Ben seems to have become detached from the group. And uh, the first indications came back to Ireland about a week later that he had been arrested, that he had a, an episode with... Um, cocaine and hookers on the 14th floor of, of the hotel. He had apparently been tackled by security men and had threatened uh, to jump um, from the into the auditorium. Um, it caused a huge, huge uh, scandal, if you like, back in Ireland where, you know, it was the first time we had a glimpse of I suppose the wealth, uh, the privilege, and the lifestyle of 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 one of the most secretive families in the country. When you were caught with a coal girl high on cocaine in Florida, what would your father have thought of that? He would have been disgusted at the time. He would have wanted to sit down and talk to me. He would have advised me to get help. He would pray that things would turn around, uh, and he would view it carefully. This is still. Catholic conservative Ireland we have an exotic location uh, Florida at the time there wasn't people hopping over and back there uh, we had a, a, a prostitute we had cocaine uh, and we had a, a supermarket tycoon of, of a family named Brand the, this, the reaction at home it must have been enormous the reaction it, it was absolutely phenomenal and um this story, you know, obviously was one of the biggest. There was uh, reporters trying to get out to Orlando, although he he then had to uh, go before a judge and uh, he was uh, sentenced to a month in rehab, but he managed to make sure it was done at home. The story was, was huge, but Ben Dunn actually played a blinder himself. He came back to Ireland and uh, he did a series of interviews with uh, people, including me, in which he he said how sorry he was. He revealed as much details as you, as you asked. And uh, I remember I had good shorthand at the time and I got a full page in the half an hour or so of I spoke to him. Uh, but there was one outstanding thing that I do recall that he he rang me afterwards and he said, um, could you put in a line saying that I have been very understanding of the failings of other members of my family and I hope they'll be as understanding about me as I have, have been of them. And I thought... That stuck in my mind all these years uh, because it kind of, it, it told us the family dynamic and that obviously there was a lot going on in the family that was also kept very much under wraps. Yeah, much like 
every family in Ireland there's all sorts of internal machinations that people don't don't know uh, about but nonetheless uh, this the family weren't as forgiving as 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 he was um citing to you uh, at that time what happened with, to his role within the Dunstores empire well what happened is that up Ben had become chairman basically uh, Frank Dunn, uh, who was the eldest of the family, wasn't really interested for a number of years in the, the business. He ran uh, the family stud farm very successfully down in uh, in Mead and um, he was interested in the horses and all that. So Margaret um, and Ben, who Margaret was seven years older than Ben and they don't seem to have had a great relationship, uh, but Ben's two sisters, Elizabeth and Teresa, sided with him up to that point. Then Margaret moved against him. As I recall, there was a phone call intercepted by somebody. Um, I don't know how they did it, but in which she said, I hope the little bastard goes to jail. He didn't go to jail. He he wanted things to continue as they were in the family empire. But she called a vote and his sister, Teresa, changed sides and he was ousted as chairman and uh, chief executive and Margaret Heffernan uh, took over the business. Uh, a substantial check, though, is paid to Ben well, to, to buy him out. Well, there was a lot going on for a couple of months. He was gone, but... Or, forgotten but not gone as they say so he still went into the company headquarters and there was a famous incident uh, later related that Margaret was having a business meeting with some very important suppliers and Ben burst into the room and snubbed out his cigarette in her mineral water and said you won't get rid of me that easy the big issue at the time uh, was the family trust. Old Ben had established a very tight trust uh, for the family, which ensured that each of the members had a stake, but it also ensured that um, it remained in family under the family control. The big point of most trusts, as we know, is not to pay tax. So... The problem for them would be breaking the trust would result in a huge tax burden. So Ben and Margaret basically, Ben taunted Margaret that he had given Charlie Hawhey 1.2 million in gifts. And she decided to find out if that was true and commissioned um, a report from PricewaterhouseCoopers. In the meantime, both sides had big legal teams and were preparing to go to court. And on the eve of the court case, which we were, the whole nation was eagerly anticipating, they settled and uh, Ben Dunn was paid £125 million at the time uh, to leave. It was an offer he couldn't refuse. And so he took his shares and the company basically was left among the three remaining f members of the family. Although um, Elizabeth and Teresa had died rather tragically uh, in the meantime. So it was really in the hands of Frank Dunn, who had returned as chairman, Margaret, and the families of 
her two sisters. Now, those payments that you you mentioned, though, to to politicians, it 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 wasn't just Charlie High. What happened with the with Michael Lowry? Yeah, well, what happened is that Michael Lowry was doing up his his home um, down in Tipperary, and he his re- refrigeration company did a lot of business with Dunn Stores. And it emerged through a story by Sam Smith in the Irish Independent that um, he was actually invoicing Dunn stores for work that was being done on the family home. This led um, to uh, Michael Larry being fired by John Bruton and it led to uh, the McCracken Tribunal, which investigated payments to politicians. At some point, and it seems it was inadvertent, really, um, the Price Waterhouse report into Dunn's payments to Charlie Hawhey became part of the tribunal remit. And as we know, it turned out that this was true. Although Margaret Heffernan had apparently gone to Abbeville and confronted Charles Hawhey, who had uh, actually denied that he got such monies from Ben Dunn. Former Taoiseach Charles Hawhey is to testify before the Dunn's Payments to Politicians Tribunal, his legal team said today. Counsel for Mr Hawhey accepted as a matter of probability that £1.3 million was paid into accounts controlled by accountant Des Trainer for Mr Hawhey, but said Mr Hawhey did not know that this money came from Ben Dunn. What ultimately did the tribunal find? And, and to add in, McCracken was a swift tribunal to, in, in fairness to him. Uh, eight months long, came out with very clear findings, not uh, unlike uh, what, what happened subsequently over the following 15 years. So what did Mr Justice McCracken discover? Well, he found that in reality that both the politicians, Michael Lowry and Charlie Hawhey, had been um, availed of payments that were made illegally um, uh, to them uh, by Ben Dunn. And uh, his conclusions were then handed over to uh, Michael Moriarty, Judge Michael Moriarty. And we had, as you say, the, the long-running Moriarty Tribunal, which destroyed the reputations of many more political and business figures. Yeah, so th- this incident, in effect, involving Ben Dunn in a Florida hotel, we can trace that to basically almost the, the collapse of the establishment of Ireland and unveiling of everything from Ansbacker accounts to illegal payments and so on. Absolutely. I mean, it opened up a huge can of worms. It opened up the the, the operation of Des Trainer, who basically basically solicited every wealthy family in the country uh, to put their sh- funds offshore through his Ansbacker accounts. Um, it was a huge shock to many people that this was going on and that big business had been so closely interwoven with the political establishment. Um, and we do know that um, when Ben was trying to um, break the Dunstores Trust um, Charlie Hawhey arranged for him to meet the head of the revenue commissioners, uh, Sean Parker, who um, probably had the meeting but uh, didn't do anything um, 
to facilitate the breakup. It eventually happened, I think, as a result of Ben being paid out, paid off to leave the company. What was Ben Dunn's reaction to the findings and his claims around his understandings of what was happening with these payments? Well, you know, he said that he he made the payments. He, he eventually, there, there was three, I think, payments that were made and that they were related to Hahi's uh, political uh, career. He he said that he had been approached by Des Trainer, who was uh, Charlie Hahi's accountant, uh, and was told by Mr. Trainer that uh, he was uh, assembling a group of um, business people uh, to pay off an overdraft facility of over a million pounds that uh, Charlie had, Charlie Hawhey had with Allied Irish Banks. And uh, Ben Dunn said, you know, brought in the 12 apostles and there might be a Judas among them and said he would, uh, he would settle the whole debt himself. And so he went to Concealy and he made the payments and uh, the payments were wired through various bank accounts so that they remained secret for years and it took took a lot of effort from the by the tribunal to eventually uh, unravel the whole mystery he also seems to have um he seems to have looked upon Charlie Hawhey as something of a father figure he he seemed to have admired his his acumen and his political uh, will to get things done. So it, it was a kind of a complicated relationship as well. And yet, over the years, Ben Don has, has claimed to tribunals that he wasn't in a good mental state, he couldn't remember certain certain dealings. Uh, how did how did those kind of explanations play out? I don't think they they really did because at the time he was running this huge company. Now, he did have, as we know, he had a, a cocaine uh, addiction issue and he had the trauma of the kidnap. He could be a very impulsive person. Um, you know, he told me about the cocaine that it, it. at one time I asked him and he said it was related to instant gratification. If he was passing a, a Mercedes showrooms and saw a new model, he would stop and he wanted to go in and drive out in that model. And if they said there's a waiting list, he would tell them, I'm not waiting. I won't be doing business with you. So he got what he wanted. And he said he got the same sort of uh, gratification, instant gratification from uh, cocaine. So it may be that he wasn't in a good place, but he was also running a very big company. He had a lot of... Um, very senior advisors, uh, including his solicitor, Noel Smith, who was very involved eventually in the uh, in 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 revealing to the tribunal the payments that uh, were made to Charlie Hawhey. Yeah, that whole episode uh, resulted in the coining of the phrase, thanks a million, big fella. That's right, yes. Now, 30 years on, you're still in touch with, with, with Ben well, Don. How is he and well, I what's think he been up to since? He certainly is in, uh, he started uh, the, no, the Nora Dunn Gallery, which was in memory of his mother. He became a very big collector of art uh, 
And uh, he bought this famous sketch that is uh, of Michael Collins's funeral by um, uh, Sir John Lavery, which is actually more than a sketch. It's a, it's a big painting. Um, he seems to have admired Lavery and W. Yeats, and he filled his house with a huge collection of paintings. He uh, bought a company called Dunlow House and attempted to go into the retail business for some time. Uh, that didn't work. And he went into the Ben Dunn gyms and has... Uh, made a very successful business career. Um, maybe not as successful as Margaret Heffernan subsequently made Dunn Stores, but still on his own, he has uh, done phenomenally well. He is now 73. He uh, says that he is downsizing and he has put 39 of his paintings uh, up for sale with Gormley's and uh, Auction House. And he's expecting to, to raise about 10 million. So he spends, I think, a lot of time in Spain and, uh, and elsewhere. But he's still phenomenal energy. And uh, I don't think we've heard the last of Ben Dunn. And that was Sunday Independent journalist Liam Collins. I'm Fionn Sheehan and today's episode was produced and researched by Mary Carroll with sound by Gavin Hennessy. Archive clips from RTE News, The Late Late Show on RTE and Independent.ie. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review. Listener.